Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I don't think I'm ever going to do this podcast again with earbuds in as opposed to the over-the-ear headphones. Lesson learned. Yeah, I'm already finding it quite disturbing. Uh, let's uh, let's get at it. You and I were both in Indianapolis at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the 500. We yeah. tailgated. We shotgun beers. We went to the race. Did it all. It was a big day. Good day. I'm going to start the podcast as I have tried to uh, the last two, which w- is with a tweet. From Emma Dixon. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. This, uh, to timestamp this tweet, it came of the morning of the race. Emma tweets, Scotty is still snoozing, but all I can hear is the teams revving the engines, police escort, helicopters, and fans arriving. It's race day. Indy 500 day. I know Scott will drive like he's never driven before. How prophetic is that? Right. He will push it all the way, and hopefully a little luck will fall his way. Well, Curb, he did drive as he's never driven before, or at least as he never used to drive. And uh, you can't say luck fell his way. Well, he gets to test the uh, the claim or the statement. I think he's he or somebody's made for him in the past where uh, you know it's hard to take the, the Indy 500 losses when when something out of your control, uh, you know, essentially takes it away from you. Uh, it's much easier to deal with if you've made your own mistake. So with some reflection, he'll be able to tell us which way is the easier way to, to have a bitter loss at the Indy 500. I uh, actually spoke to a gentleman uh, yesterday that actually knew Mr. Dixon pretty well personally, or personal okay. level. All right. Um, it was interesting. I mean, nothing but just very, very nice things to say. Uh, Generous with his time, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, his, his he, insight was he, he was a nice guy. There's no okay. further insight than that. Okay. okay. He's just a nice guy. I was okay. tempted to kind of go into this thing is like we've seen a lot of mistakes from Dixon lately. Maybe, the, you know, all the signs are there, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not. I'm just putting this out there. I'm just wondering. You know how there was all this stuff over the brakes and the brake calipers and, you know, uh, pulling them back for – wind resistance, et cetera. And that led to a lot of people locking up brakes, you know, doing uh, pit lane uh, speed violations last year. Right. You got to say that the Ganassi cars were dominant this year throughout the whole prep for the 500. And you could even argue during the 500. I am just wondering. So IndyCar, with all those mishaps last year, made some regulation changes, basically prohibiting guys from pulling back the calipers too far and kind of take away that little cheat, if you will. Right. Right. Okay. And yet Dixon's incident looks strangely similar to those things from the previous years. And I'm just wondering if the Ganassi team had found a little bit of a workaround on that was maybe the ultimate source of uh, Scott's folly. Considering Ganassi has five cars and uh, that was the only pit stop out of all the pit stops for all five of those cars where that type of uh, problem showed itself, I'd say maybe it's not likely. It's Unless you know, I just, uh, I, Dixon I just think that. Dixon was one of the few on the team to actually get it. I guess that's true. The key to that race is restarts and in and out laps 
around pit stops. Nobody was passing anybody otherwise. But that was a point of emphasis for most of the teams. He seemingly had things well in hand and didn't need to push it to the limit. Probably was just in that mode. I got to push it, push it, push it. Just pushed it a little bit too hard. The unfortunate conclusion you draw from that is, is that the Iceman choked under pressure. Unfortunately, that's true. So he's made quite a few mistakes that we've documented on this podcast in the last few, at least the last couple seasons. Is it time to take away the Iceman moniker, Kerb? Why yet? He's still the only guy that can qualify last and and, uh, lose a lap during the race and and somehow end up in the top five in most races. So I'll let him hang on to that uh, nickname. As long as he's cranking out pole uh, winning performances on qualifying days in Indy 500, then he can have that that, uh, nickname as long as he wants it. Three years in a row, they would have, should have, could have won. I guess they still won this year because with Eric's. Uh, they did end up with the winning car, nevertheless. Uh, that made for me and uh, my close family uh, almost $3,000 curb. I was quite pleased. A wise bet on your part. Wise bet, I think highlighted in our uh, podcast leading up. I think if, if you listened and uh, wrote down our suggestions and placed some bets accordingly from our pre-500 podcast, you did pretty well. Yeah, no, I looked back and uh, Erickson was my second pick. Do you think that as, as strong as Dixon and, and Palau looked during the early parts of the race and Dixon throughout most of the race. Do you think Erickson could have challenged them at the end? I, I My gut tells me Palau or Dixon would have won that race, but they didn't. And, you know, the one of the things that I look for during the race is a guy who's always there, not necessarily leading or, you know, swapping for the lead, but just in that top five, top six, top seven, you know, there the whole time, you know, never, never a stint where he's not. The guys that come like all the way from the back to win it, it just doesn't happen that often. No, I agree. It was, uh, you know, a lot of similarity, I think, to Sato a couple of years ago. Speaking of Sato curb, that's probably one that we did get wrong. Uh, it just seems to me like a simple case where they trimmed that car out too much for the day. And it was just too hot and the sun was out and it wasn't that it wasn't the day for that kind of era. McLaren seemed to make the same air with their machine. The other team that just wasn't in it at all curb, uh, you got to say Penske. Oh, yeah, it's got to be a huge disappointment. I know Roger Penske was enjoying his day uh, running the, the event. Had to be very disappointed in, in how that race turned out for his team. Probably the more disappointing part of it is they're probably the fourth place uh, Chevrolet team. Penske team has lost a bit of the magic at the, at the Speedway for now. So, you know, I don't know what happens to them lately at Indy, but, but it's got to be grating a little bit on, on old Mr. Penske. Curb. What also might be grading on Mr. Penske is you have a bunch of people show up to race 325,000 or whatever the estimate is, right? And they run out of hot dog buns in the first 50 laps. Right. You and I were discussing just the general buzz around the 500 this year that it was far greater than we'd seen in years previous. And then we get news of the TV ratings and they suck. Right. I have not seen any IndyCar spin on it, and I don't think there is any any good spin for it, um, especially when you got storylines like Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson uh, in your field. But I'll, I'll tell you what the answer is not, and this is a suggestion that I actually read somewhere today. The answer is not to start showing the race live in Indianapolis so you can get more viewers and get your TV ratings up because in 10 years or less, you'll be getting 200,000 fans at that race instead of 300 or more. Well, it looks like a great special event on TV is going to diminish itself slowly over time if you start letting that race be shown live in Indianapolis. Go to one of those uh, uh, heat-soaked races we've suffered through before and and you know see if they even bother to buy tickets next year. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a lot of effort and discomfort involved uh, taking in a day at the race, and um, 
you know, some of us are diehards, but uh, not all of us. And so we'll see a, a quick decline in the uh, attendance um, if you went that route. And and I tell you, I've told you before, look at the Brickyard 400. Um, that race is run the end of July, the beginning of August in Indiana. Uh, so, as soon as you had the option to sit at home and watch it in your air conditioning versus sitting out there and roasting and sweating your ass off, ticket sales went down and they've been down ever since. All right. Wisdom from uh, Kirby. Wisdom. There you go. Kirby, uh, you sent me a little blurb on the purse uh, distribution thereof for the race mm-hmm. winnings. Um, it's a way for the series and, and Penske to uh, to give the series regulars every benefit that he can. The last uh, normal Indy 500 purse, last place, and, and all those teams that were not regulars were getting at least $200,000 out of it. I noticed this year it looks like the minimum is about $104,000. Hell, Ed Carpenter got 117000 because he's not a full-timer. And what was last place, Curb, just to enlighten our listeners? <laughs> Rhinos VK at $488,000. Yeah, there you go. Huge price to pay for not being a series regular. I mean, Jimmy Johnson didn't finish well, but he was 28th. But, you know, he's not a leader circle team either because um, you are only allowed to have three, I think, on a, on a given race team. So... You know, he gets $208,000. But he got Rookie of the Year. <laughs> which which I can tell you outraged them. It's embarrassing, he said, they say. But, uh, well, on this one, I kind of agree with they. I think that was a ridiculous call. They need to fix that system. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was not Rookie of the Year. He crashed, for Christ's sake. Crashed, uh, you know, almost took his teammate uh, out of contention for the win. Um, that's not rookie of the year behavior. I don't care what anybody says. I like Jimmy Johnson. I really do. Um, I like how he handles himself and I'm sure he's a bit embarrassed by this whole thing. Coins in my opinion now has been screwed over twice. They gave it to Fernando, um, over, uh, Ed Jones, you know, a few years back. And I, and I'm not saying we have to set firm criteria. That was the other suggestion. Whoever, you know, places highest in the race gets rookie of the year. I, I don't buy that either, you know, because I think there can be a lot of extenuating circumstances. But for Christ's sake, you can't just give it to the star because he's a star. I mean, that's uh, and that's what it looks like to me. I think Coyne's just a little bit tired of it. I think that's probably where a lot of the the uh, discord came from. Well, I think uh, it should be tired of it. I mean, it's it's money for him, too, right? It's money for Malukas, yeah, um, you know. Say I was rookie of the year, all that kind of stuff with the 500. I mean, you know, it's just something that fills the resume out. And to, Jimmy Johnson doesn't need a damn thing on his resume. Yeah, Are you is. listening, they? I agree with you. <laughs> Which is the most painful part of it. <laughs> You're making a reasonable save. And I can tell you that they were vehement, vehement about it in bold letters. It's it's a lot less um, of a discrepancy as as compared to Ed Jones and Fernando Alonso in 2017. I mean, Ed Jones finishes third for Christ's sake. And uh, yeah, uh, with, with, a, with a hole in his nose and, um, and, and rookie of the year goes to somebody else. That was egregious. I thought. Curb, did you notice uh, the comments of uh, Josh Verstappen, Max Verstappen's father? I did not. Uh, very upset that um, <laughs> I think that his uh, son's teammate won the race and didn't uh, basically help help Max win the race for him. Pull up, pull a Rubens, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, a complete Rubens. Even though that's exactly what he did uh, the race before. He did the race before, but that's not enough for Verstappen's dad. He's got to. Max has to win every race. It's like I told you when you started bringing up Emma Dixon's tweets, right? It's always bad news when the family members or friends are in the news. And, and you know, they like throws a you know, really, really happy for you know. Um, Checo, you know, great, great for him. You know, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, no, you're not. You just want your son to win again. Talk about disingenuous. My God. Kind of like Max's uh, reasoning for not wanting to run the Indy 500. He, he didn't want to die. A more accurate statement would be, I'm making 30 million a year doing this. He's making double uh, that. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. So. I wouldn't be running the 500 either, buddy. Right. I don't honestly believe that he uh, is afraid he would die at the 500. I just think he it's the shortest way to cut off the conversation. We want to something. Yeah, I, I think they are they're annoyed by the question, right? Right. In fact, I think Signs just said no comment, which is smarter. Or no yeah. thanks. I think. Sorry, no thanks. Or yeah, it was very abrupt and. And I think it is a stupid question to ask a Formula One driver, honestly. In the world we live in today, they have no. There's no need for them to do it. And, you know, back in the day, when Jimmy Clark and and uh, and Graham Hill and those guys were coming over, they made more money at the 500 than they made the rest of the year combined. Right? I mean, that was that was really why those guys came over. It wasn't because they just had to do the Indy 500. Yeah, I mean, look, it just makes what Fernando Alonso did kind of all the more exceptional, right? He skipped Monaco to race the 500. Um, Curb, before we get into uh, the Detroit picks, which is uh, coming fast upon us, uh, we're doing this a little later than normal on Thursday, and God only knows when I'll be able to edit it out. Uh, any additional comments you want to make about various and sundry before we dive into picks? All right, I got two questions about the 500 for you. Um, one, what did you think of the racing product in general? I think those cars struggle with heat, um, struggle to pass. Um, I, I, I thought it was an entertaining race, uh, even with the limited passing. But the the windscreen era, the aero screen era is a real challenge. Uh, and that car is going to continue, unfortunately, from what I'm hearing, to be a challenge anytime, you know, it's over 75 degrees. Yeah, according to Rossi, you made all your places on restarts and around pit stops and other than that you just sat and say fuel till the next yellow flag it's not going to work they need you know last year they got lucky with the lower temperatures um need to come up with a little bit something different next year for their package um to try to address that oh they need to work on that global warming curve um well they're they're doing their part with uh what uh uh green tires and next year they're going to have green fuel right and by the way Again, no goddamn balloons. What do you mean? They didn't release the balloons. Oh, okay. So you're uh, you're unhappy about that? Yeah. Have you seen anything so, about the balloons? Are the balloons dead forever? I think they are. Um, I think that's. I think it's one uh, environmental fight they didn't want to fight anymore. Ugh, so, uh, that's all I could say, Kurt. Ugh. I hear you. Second question. Yep. Uh, a lot of talk about Marcus Erickson's maneuvers on the restart to break the toe. Mm-hmm. What say what say you? Either you say it's completely you can't do it completely, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh let him do it. 
Uh, I don't think there's any middle ground there. I think you got to let him do it. Uh, otherwise, I mean, he's a sitting duck if you don't let him attempt some way to break the to break the toe. Uh, I agree, and 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 that stinks of NASCAR to me, frankly. All right on to picks, Curb. On to for picks Detroit, for Detroit, Detroit Rock City. Let's get to our picks. Uh, let's enrich some people with some good old-fashioned gambling. My niece, at the tender age of 13, has learned the the great values of gambling. Well, did your uh, similarly aged son uh, take home some cash too? He did not. He uh, he sodded it. Then uh, you've only corrupted one of your of your family members. I'm going to go with a a bounce back effort by Joseph Newgarden. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Decent showing there last year. Is it a doubleheader this year, Kerr, or just single race? Just a single. Just a single race. And the, the final event on Bell Isle. And the final. And, and I think Kerr, you and I discussed when we were in Indianapolis, we're going to make an effort to go to Detroit next year. Detroit Rock City downtown. Together. Yeah. Detroit Rock City. We're going to play that song. We're going to rent a convertible, and we're going to play that song. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Maybe even put on some Kiss makeup. I don't don't think I'll go that far. <laughs> but it would make a great picture. We could put that up on our website, which we might have up and running by that point. Or we might not be doing the podcast at all. Um, <laughs> all these things are possible. I would feel remiss if if uh, for this race, uh, the guy just was very, very strong. Both races last year, uh, a Mr. Pato Award. Can't fault you there. I feel the same way. One guy that was strong at least one race last year was Will Power, and I'm going to stick with my Penske theme here. He got screwed out of a victory there by, uh, by Marcus Erickson, of all people. This may surprise you a little bit, Curb. A lot of hand-wringing going on inside my brain over this choice. I actually just changed my mind. Uh, Scott Dixon. I think he's gotten the mistakes out of his system. Pretty good at this track. I mean, experience counts at this track. I think it's a t- it's a very tough track to drive. I believe for people that aren't used to driving it, uh, he's driven it a bunch. Uh, two top ten finishes last time uh, last year. I'm gonna cover my bets here and, and uh, snack Alex Pilata. then. Yeah, that was the guy I was bringing my mental hand over. Curb. I'm gonna have to. I hate to do this. I hate to do this. Then don't do it. Going to. Colton Herta. What's the saying go? You'll you'll win or you'll bust one or the other. Wreckers or checkers. Wreckers or checkers. There you go. Yeah. Obviously, it's just horrendous horrendous 500 for him. Wrecking on carb day is never a good idea. No. Pulling out your uh, pit stop competition car for the race (laughs) To, uh, to replace it, not good. And, you know, when's the last time you saw somebody, uh, probably not since the Lotus days, somebody was pulled from the track for not being fast enough? Yeah, he, I think he, and you know what? I think he was quite happy to be pulled. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I think but, he didn't really give a damn. Find out too much complaining over the radio when they said, come on in. Again, Curb in our top six, uh, a very interesting omission there, wouldn't you say? The series leader? The series leader. 
Uh, well, when was the last time the uh, Indy 500 winner did anything at Detroit? Well, there's that. Even though he's won the 500, and even though he's leading the series, and even though he's won several races now. He's uh, defending, just, he, he won at Detroit last year. Yeah. But, again, because somebody else had some misfortune. I, I'm st- I mean, I guess I'm still not a believer, Curb. I mean, after all that, I'm still not a believer, which is unfortunate for Marcus, but I'm not. Okay, who, who has scored the most points uh, from Detroit last year to the 500 this year? Probably him. Marcus Erickson. Yeah, I, I recall, you know, the second half last year, he was like leading, you know, he had garnered more points than anybody. No, yeah, he did last year, but somebody did the stats. He's he's uh, number one, I think, awards number two from last, you know, from Detroit last year to Indy this year. Uh, he's got the most points. Uh, we're going to see Farooch, the Farooch in the Detroit this year, Curb, because uh, 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 Mr. Eilat apparently broke his hand. Yeah, I, I uh, was not surprised really to hear that because I watched the uh, the banquet on Monday night and uh, I lots up there holding onto a microphone being interviewed and his right hand's like twice the size of his left hand. <laughs> I was like, how are you going to drive with that thing? So, Detroit is not the course to drive pretty, in that. Yeah, really bumpy. And I guess uh, uh, drivers are going to miss Bell Isle. I think they, I, read, I saw that they... Uh, actually like driving on that course uh, so you know last show um you uh posited that there was a challenger to um uh emma dixon's throne as uh as uh, indycar wife slash girlfriend number one mm-hmm. and um and i told you that i had not seen your uh, suggested competitor and obviously she got a lot of screen time um after the race on sunday and uh, you know i'll give you that she's a worthy uh a worthy challenger, but she doesn't doesn't quite get over the the top for me. So I'm, wow, I'm not, say tri- not not fully tripping your trigger. No, I think uh, I think Emma's still still the queen of uh, the IndyCar castle. So what'd you think of uh, Danica? <laughs> Was there any less insightful banter that could have been had? Uh, well, if Rutledge Wood was on, yeah. But um, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, he was out in in the lake peddling a swan boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. She did okay. Um, really? I've, I've seen her do worse before. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So she uh, just had nothing to say, and I, I, you know, maybe Junior didn't either. Um, well, by the way, I, there's a. Uh, I suggest you go look a, a, it up on a. Um, you know, YouTube or whatever. Um, there's a uh, interview by uh, what's his name, Dan Patrick. Yeah. Of Junior, and they're talking about, and it must have happened right before the race this year because they're basically talking about him, you know, emceeing the race. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never watched Dan Patrick before, but uh, he did it. I mean, he clearly didn't know anything about racing, but he still asked some really good questions. I thought. Of junior, really? Okay. Well, and I mean, junior he's... had and junior had some excellent answers. So I it was for the guy that follows racing as much as you and I do. It was still insightful on some things, you know, and it was really pretty cool. I mean, I, I encourage you to watch it. It was uh, it's not for long. It's like ten minutes or something like that. But uh, I, I have to give uh, Dan Patrick a bit of raps. I mean, 
for a guy that clearly doesn't know anything about racing, it was like some really interesting questions. I don't think they come much better than Dan Patrick um, in, in the sports commentator world. And, um, you know, he's, he's been around long enough to be passable, I'm sure, on any, on almost any sports subject. So uh, I'm not surprised they did well. But uh, I think Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, represents himself pretty well and represents the series pretty well. He doesn't. He doesn't act like he knows more than he does about IndyCar, and he obviously he seems to have a plenty of respect for the event and for the series. He can leave Rutledgewood at home, but uh, but the rest of them, I think, they do fine, and I don't I don't think it hurts the show at all. I think it helps. For those of us listening before, hopefully this podcast will get out before Sunday. Um, but the race is on USA Network this Sunday and not on NBC. All right, Curb, I got a plane to uh, simulate fly. Uh, Twitter. At Hero, H-I-R-O, IndyCar. At Hero, IndyCar, H-I-R-O. No more sponsors uh, again. We've been dropped. Yeah. Giving away too many free meals in Boston. Uh, The disappointing uh, ratings of 500 did not help our podcast group. Is that it? (laughs) Pull the the ripcord on us up. Have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the race. Thanks, everybody.